Hi everyone, we have something exciting to share with all of you. We are launching this new series called Women in Leadership and we want to accomplish two things through this. One, we want to throw a spotlight on amazing women entrepreneurs out there. And the second is we want to create a discovery platform of sort that is to point out to all of you the kind of businesses and initiatives that are interesting, thriving and creating an amazing impact in the ecosystem. Shweta and I, we feel strongly about this because we need more women leaders to be named and discovered for the entire womankind to look up to, set role models as, and emulate. We very, very strongly believe that this will encourage more women to stand up and speak for themselves, hold their ground, ask for what they want, and pursue their dreams, no matter what. And today's episode is special because this is a story of persistence and pure grit. We are in conversation with Akila, founder of I Am Rural. Hi, Akila. Yes. Hi, Jayashi. Good morning. Akila is a kind of a leader who talks vision pragmatically and who's audacious to follow her dreams, but always constantly pinches herself to keep away from the bubble. All right. Without much further ado, let's dive right into this episode. You are listening to The Audacity Project. Akela, why don't you start the show by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, great. Um, okay, so um, this is something that I really struggle with, like to talk about myself, but how it all started. Um, so this is, uh, I mean, I've always been inclined to work in the development sector since the age of 17. Um, I started my first, uh, I think my first exposure was to volunteer with an organization called Youth for Seva. And mm-hmm. uh, this organization uh, worked for uh, children who dropped out from schools or were struggling to stay in schools from uh, the below pow- poverty line community. So uh, that's where it all started for me. That's when I was first introduced to um, the different um, you know, problems that arise in the education system. How mm-hmm. is it different for someone like me who mm-hmm. studied in, uh, you know, who, who grew up in a middle class family, mm-hmm. went to a private school, was mm-hmm. able to get some sort of education, mm-hmm. speak English. So it was a complete uh, different world for me when I met students who aspired, uh, their aspiration levels would be as, as high as me, but the opportunities would be very low. So they would be denied of what they would des- what they really deserve, right? So that's something right, that right. kind of really um, put me in an, in an odd spot. Like you know, it mm-hmm. kept kept me going. I kept thinking mm-hmm. why this was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, so what happened was I joined deg- my degree undergrad and I did uh, my bachelor's in psychology, journalism, and English. And wow. I'm doing nothing related to what I studied. And I think that's what <laughs> most people, that's that's the story of their lives, right? So I do. <laughs> Absolutely. I, if yeah. you ask me, I don't remember what I studied either. Like, I don't know the subjects. I mean, at that point, maybe I did. But now I can't, I can't recollect what I studied. Or <laughs> if anybody asks me, what, what did you do? What's your background? I'm like, I really don't mm. know. <laughs> I can't call myself a psychologist because, no, I, it's just not, I don't know enough. Uh, what about, lit- I don't know enough about literature either. Uh, journalism, don't even talk about it, not even close. So, um, so that's how, uh, for me, my education had literally no, like, no relation to what I'm doing right now. 
Uh, mm-hmm. During college, that's when I started an internship with Cry, and uh, I met some incredible people there. And we started working on ground, uh, you mm-hmm. know, going from house to house, talking to mm-hmm. people who dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this is where my groundwork started, where I started visiting slums. And uh, by the end of 2016, uh, and this is around okay, this is around 2016, and this is you, about 2015 when I started. Fifteen, yeah. Okay, and by now you would have been nineteen um, twenty. Yes, nineteen. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. So I was about yeah nineteen twenty, and uh, uh, so yeah, that's when I I think I started visiting a lot of slums in Bangalore, trying to understand. Mm-hmm. So my interest in initially was towards the education sector, and mm-hmm. it's a very common inclination to be honest. Right. Like those right. who are interested to do social work or you mm-hmm. know. Well, like people would say that I want to do my bit for the society or mm-hmm. contribute mm-hmm. the regular jargons, right? So mm-hmm. everybody is inclined towards the education sector because mm-hmm. that's the first thing that you right. think of children, right. such yeah. as soft spot. So right. um, I, that's that's what happened to me as well, right? Uh, the whole game about women empowerment or women mm-hmm. empowerment or talking mm-hmm. about gender-based um, uh, violences and differences that I was exposed to later stage of my career. Wasn't something that I was aware of when I was mm-hmm. 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So uh, when uh, by 2016, I had already visited about 42 slums in Bangalore. Wow, that so is a huge, huge number. <laughs> 42 slums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it it does seem like a big number now. But back then, it just <laughs> became like a you know, it became my gig, like weekend gig. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I would go and um, mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do, right? Like, so mm-hmm. there's not much you can do. You can't make promises that you'll, you'll change lives. You're right. not changing right. lives. It, right. it, I st- I'm still saying that I don't change lives. It's it's a very, very, uh, it's a very huge statement to make. It's Absolutely. a huge commitment to, uh, like, yes. you know, to actually withhold and stand by it. So, um, but yeah, so I used to just go to understand, uh, talk to communities. I would, I would get introduced to different kind of communities in the slums who migrated from different parts of India. Why were they in Bangalore? What was the reason? So that's when I started understanding things about seasonal migration. Mm-hmm. Then it slowly my, um, the entire uh, knowledge about uh, the developmental sector started mm-hmm. increasing because of the interactions I started having with people. And mm-hmm. I think that is what I would credit uh, to uh, the beginning of my career, where mm-hmm. it was the experiences that got me wow. really uncomfortable. Like, wow, keep me up in the night. Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? Mm-hmm. How, uh, like, you know, what are you going to do? And how can you sleep at night? You know, all of these mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when um, I graduated from uh, college. Uh, and I still don't know how. <laughs> I never went really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I graduated from college and I got into Amnesty International India. I was a human rights activist with them, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. one of the youngest at the age of 20. So, um, wow, that another feat, another feat. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's again, that was a very um, you know, entry level kind of a, a role that I had. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I did have a lot of uh, financial difficulties that I was facing mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take, I couldn't just go and follow my passion and be like, spread your wings. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter how much you earn. Well, it mattered to me. Right? Absolutely. It does. And Akila, <laughs> Akila I'm just going to stop yeah. you right there. Because yeah. what you said right now is very, very important for the for people who will hear this and for the future generation to follow. Because most of the time, people just give you this blunt general 
अडवाइज गो फॉलो योर पैशन स्प्रेड योर विंग्स स्काईज इन लिमिट बट वेन इट कम्स टू द रियालिटी ऑफ दैट एडवाइज इट जस्ट डिक वॉट यू सेड राइट नाउ about you need financial sustenance if at all you wanted to do anything good and and the, there are jobs which are high impact jobs mm-hmm. but they don't pay you well mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit more on that because i think this is very very important sure so um uh, to be very honest like i think i need to be as candid as possible when Absolutely, it comes to something please. like yeah. this right so when i joined amnesty international of course um, my knowledge of human rights was mm-hmm. very negligible right so i don't mm-hmm. know as much uh, right. as a 20 year old you don't know or you can't be so widely passionate about something as big as human rights mm-hmm. without having the experiences or knowledge of it right like what do you do how do you change policies how do you mm-hmm. impact people mm-hmm. but my whole reason why i wanted to join amnesty was one is that the pay was good and two mm-hmm. i would get to learn something about my own sector so mm-hmm. i made the effort i would i uh, to i mean i applied to amnesty i think thrice uh-huh. uh wow. i wouldn't give up i'm like no i want to do this but i want the pay i'm not going to stop mm-hmm. until i get this job mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. going to pay me because i have to i have i have a lot of financial responsibility mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. at the same time i'm not going to give up on my passion so you, you mm-hmm. there's a lot of effort that needs to go into looking for something that pays you as well as um as well as you know gives you the opportunity to sort of grow in the line that you want to and right. that's something right. that and even if that's sometimes you know sometimes i think of myself like i i think when i think about it i feel like maybe i got lucky yeah but but there is this point where i would um uh, i mean until i got a job at amnesty i was mm-hmm. i took up uh, another job that would be at event mm-hmm. management it wouldn't mm-hmm. pay me as much but still mm-hmm. money was money right mm-hmm. so yes. uh, but the thing was that i would never give up on what i really love like even mm-hmm. when i worked full time at that uh, event management gig i used to constantly look for opportunities that mm-hmm. would somehow you know um mm-hmm. bring my passion and make it a reality Together, like, closer yeah, right yeah something right, right? Yeah, and turning mm-hmm. your passion into a profession is mm-hmm. is crazy it's not easy at all <laughs> it's, it's not easy at all no, it's not easy yeah. no not at all like it's mm-hmm. it's um, maybe everybody says people some entrepreneurs do have a lot of backup you know in terms mm-hmm. of financial mm-hmm. support it's yeah. something of their yeah. own explore yeah. i mean great for them but what about people like us i mean doesn't mean that right. we shouldn't be given the opportunity we need to create them for ourselves right. absolutely so absolutely. that's <laughs> that's what i would say that don't give up like it has to be a full time gig to constantly mm-hmm. look for things that will help your passion grow i just want to insert a note here for all the listeners um i i've been in the industry i've been i've been in the job market for four and a half years and what most people do in in their pursuit of uh, finding their passion or you know pursuit of starting something new they actually uh drop what they have at hand they quit their jobs and they look for something new while that's okay for some privileged people that's a really bad idea you can always find time uh, after work or before work to look at your passion go go do the research go connect with people go do network just like what akila did she was she had her job and she never gave up on you know going a little closer getting a little closer to her passion so just keep that in mind right um uh, you've touched upon that but was there was there a typical a uh, tipping point 
during your time at amnesty or during your time at the event management company that said hey you know what this uh, my passion project or my my passion is is it is a tad too hard for me to get into you know what i am comfortable having this day job i'm going to contribute to these things in my weekend and then just going to stop at that because most people do that they have a volunteering gig that they do um, you know 5 hours 5 hours a month and and they have a regular regular job that has a regular paycheck mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so but you didn't do that so what made that tipping uh, tipping what was the tipping point for you to leave this job be sh- laser sharp focused on your your passion your dream so what happened so uh, yeah there is all i think um every second of my uh, i mean every second that i worked at the event management company or even at amnesty i constantly it was a tipping point for me right like mm-hmm. i'm like you got to go deeper like it, it this is not wow. enough like there was a mm-hmm. lot of uh, mm-hmm. i to be honest even if i have an enterprise today um, mm-hmm. i co-founded it with another mm-hmm. friend of mine called gautam mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm real, but um, the only thing that kept me going was I. There were so many conflicts inside me, right? Like it wouldn't, mm-hmm. it wouldn't somehow subside. Like I couldn't look at it as a part-time gig because mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was something that I really cared about. I really right. loved, and I was mm-hmm. crazy. So I would mm-hmm. do anything to make it a reality. Like so, I sometimes you've got to be. you've got to have audacious goals right Absolutely. and it's okay right. it's okay mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. it's it's not mm-hmm. realistic mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you have the right to have them mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. do you chase them like you've never chased anything in your life so that's what mm-hmm. happened to me so uh i started feeling that i needed to understand a lot a lot of things uh, there's so much there's so much depth to every problem in the country right. and right. and the realization that i can't do anything uh, everything to save yes. everyone yes. or yeah. i'm not yeah. you shouldn't develop the savior complex that you have to go save people but mm-hmm. that's not what it is right it's mm-hmm. your passion you want to do mm-hmm. it for you not mm-hmm. about the uh, not about the rest you want to do it for yourself mm-hmm. and that's a very important um uh, stance that you must take when you're entering a developing mm-hmm. sector because you tend to become this person that's helping everybody that wants mm-hmm. to do things but that's mm-hmm. not going to sustain mm-hmm. if you don't have that burning passion inside mm-hmm. you that you want to do it for yourself because it makes you happy mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I, i don't think it's going to work right so there was right. this um I, in fact so after amnesty i wanted to um, you know uh, understand uh, problems related to poverty much deeper mm-hmm. so that's when mm-hmm. i joined the nudge foundation wow and uh, yeah so i traveled um uh all across rural karnataka alone backpacked mm-hmm. uh and left wow. <laughs> for about uh, i it was about six months that i constantly i was on and off bangalore then i would go mm-hmm. to another place and mm-hmm. um, that was the first time you know i i never i never went to a rural area in my life and that was the mm-hmm. first time i went to a village that's the first time i uh, started living on my own without mm-hmm. i wouldn't know where i would sleep that day Like mm-hmm. I figured it out as I go, and wow. that's something that's oh. so brave of you. So damn brave. <laughs> well, now it seems like if you ask me to do it now at twenty-five, I'm scared. But <laughs> back then I was pretty reckless, though. So right. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? Do it. Let me go, and uh, it was it was fun. Like I would I would take a town mm-hmm. bus, uh, go to mm-hmm. majestic bus station. I there was no. 
there were no uh, pre-booking and all where would you I understood yeah right? that's so you'd just I'd just go and catch the bus and take off uh, ha- and my phone would die because like there are long journeys sometimes when I'd yeah, be you're constantly on the road yeah so and I be uh, what my entertainment would be is that I would talk to people in the bus like I would have conversations with women mm-hmm. with older people I mean they were all they were all from rural um, areas they were all um, they were mm-hmm. all from uh, places where I had never visited I would learn about mm-hmm. their place and we'd get some in- we'd get into some interesting conversations so that's how it all started right so when i started going and experiencing things uh, on ground that's when i uh, kind of figured that my passion was here i think all right. of this just reinforced all your passion and it, it it's all coming together when you're doing each each step forward for you just reinforcing your you know this is what you wanted to do and i i think it's just strengthened your passion Yes it did though I think the only constant was that uh, in my uh, through my journey was that I was never con- I was never content about anything mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it it just felt like there wasn't enough that I was doing so like that's why mm-hmm. I think I went searching for a perhaps which I never found sometimes I feel hey. I haven't mm-hmm. interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, so that's that's how it started. So there was this point uh, where I went to a village and uh, um, I slept over at one of the person's house in the community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, I woke up and I'm like, okay, where do I go to the bathroom? Oh, here only. Uh, just to the next village. I'm like, what? Like, oh God, <laughs> what a shock! I I had to poop. It's six uh, thirty in the morning, and oh my God, my I, my biological clock is ticking. I'm like, oh no, this is just right. And I was like, how do I go? How far is it? Yes, about some six point five kilometers. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, please take me do something. I sat. <laughs> I still remember, right. like this uncle, ro- like you know, started uh, rode me mm-hmm. to the next village, and mm-hmm. uh, that was something I could never forget. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so even to go to a bathroom, which is which I would feel comfortable in, I had to travel mm-hmm. like six point five kilometers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I, I was desperate for it. And that's when right. I started to understand the whole angle of desperation to have better mm. lives, and mm. what is what is it to have a good lifestyle? Mm-hmm. It's all nice to read it in books and mm-hmm. see it on TV, mm-hmm. but you experience it in real life. It's right. it's pretty really messed up. It it kind of messes mm-hmm. with you about your perspective oh. about how yes. things yeah. could be better. I'm just thinking about how there are certain things that we take for granted. The you know this is this is how it is for us. I mean, there's no other reality. I mean, if if I want to go to the loo, uh, it's it's two steps away for me. And for these people, the reality is completely different. I mean, I feel like they'll have to make a schedule. Okay, I'll have I my poop schedule is at six thirty, which means I'll have to get up by five thirty and you know uh-huh. walk or drive. Uh, through the to the next village, go find the right spot and have some water with me. Oh my God, that's that's a whole new level of complexity that you and I don't think about on an everyday basis. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I was I um I mean I always thought that I was not one of those privileged kids who never mm-hmm. had the opportunity mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. financially like you know financially be independent or strong. Mm-hmm. But then when I when i started living in uh, when mm-hmm. i started living in these conditions i realized how mm-hmm. privileged i was and i'm no one to talk about uh, you know other people who come from privilege i can't mm-hmm. talk about it because i come from privilege myself right right so yeah <laughs>
uh, I have one question for you. So in a in our conversation, you you said something called the savior complex. Uh, yeah. Could you could you explain that a little bit, maybe in in a couple of sentences? Sure, sure. Um, so I think this is a very common um, uh, complex that people develop who mm-hmm. are in the service industry. Right. So mm-hmm. it could be uh, it could be being policeman. It could be working in a non-profit. It could be mm-hmm. a civil servant. It could be mm-hmm. anything that you're doing mm-hmm. as a service. Mm-hmm. So uh, people kind of tend to develop this complex where they feel like they are needed. Or they mm-hmm. feel like oh. actually um, say they oh, want they feel like Batman basically yeah yeah basically <laughs> you're right. you're a superhero right and right. they kind mm-hmm. of get addicted to this entire feeling of being wanted mm-hmm. and needed mm-hmm. and where people mm-hmm. lean on to you for support or to be saved whenever mm-hmm. they're in trouble so this is mm-hmm. a real thing that people develop and that's mm-hmm. something that I always consciously you know avoided avoided like prevent myself from feeling that way. Right, mm-hmm. so it's it's about that's why I keep saying that there is no selfless good deed. Of course, you're getting mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, you're probably mm-hmm. getting some sort of compensation for it, mm-hmm. right? So it, mm-hmm. it does not have to be monetary. It could be, yeah. uh, it could be that you are morally being, um, I don't know, like you're elevated morally. Morally, you're feeling good about yourself. Well, there is mm-hmm. no selfless good deed. I work in the sector. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying this every day for me. I might not make as much money as a person would at an investment banking company, but it gives me a lot of pleasure. It gives me, it makes mm-hmm. me feel good. So that's something that is um, very prevalent. And I keep telling anybody who wants to enter the sector, don't develop this. Be very, very, very cognizant of what happens and how you mm-hmm. feel throughout this mm-hmm. process of, you know, making the country a better place. But always mm-hmm. you come first. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, and now I want to touch upon something very, very important. For you mm-hmm. to do all this, for you to uh, go behind your dream and be audacious about it, how important was the support from your family and friends? How 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 was their, uh, what should I say, uh, how did they help you in this process? So I think it's, uh, it's very natural for people to withdraw when you say that, Hey, listen. So I want to go to. Uh, I want to go uh, backpacking to rural areas. I want to mm-hmm. uh, understand poverty at the deepest level possible. Understand gender dynamics that affect poverty. I want to understand why women workforce is lesser than uh, the male workforce. I wanted to understand all of this, and mm-hmm. this is something that people don't really understand. It's not layman terms, and it's very. I would say that I I I don't blame them for not being supportive at the beginning. Because your passion, sometimes the the depth of your passion or the um, the what would I say? Um, everything about your passion only you understand it deeply. You know you know it more than anyone else. So you've got to get yourself to a point before you say that people didn't support me. You've got to do something about it, right? So I did not initially get support of my parents. Like it wasn't something that. They dreamt of. They would. They would be genuinely scared. Like I would go, what I travel in the night alone in rural areas. It's it's isolated. It's scary, and they would be really worried. They were like, "What is this girl up to? What is this crazy thing that she's doing? Why can't she just be like in a normal job?" Well, uh, I mean, and I never blame them. I'm like, I didn't expect them to understand, and that's number one. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't expect people to understand your craziness or your mm-hmm. audacious goals that you're mm-hmm. running after. Mm-hmm. It's something that 
it will eventually happen when things mm-hmm. start working for you right when you're doing something about your passion they see it they see there are there are signs that your your hard work would definitely pay off not that you become successful in two days but it mm-hmm. would take some time but when you're working hard when you're able to achieve small milestones that's when you start getting the support of your friends and your family mm-hmm. right so i mm-hmm. and i just did not have this expectation that they would understand they would support right this is your journey right. you support yourself you understand and you know mm-hmm. you know what you mm-hmm. want you can't expect everybody to mm-hmm. understand it so that's mm-hmm. something that uh, i learned um initially even i was like why can't you be supportive of my passion yes. but it's yeah. it's it's stupid to ask right like i can't go and uh, i can't expect uh, myself to understand quantum physics just because say my <laughs> my my mother studies right. it like she okay. can't come um, i i can't ex- i can't understand it it's just it's just quantum physics i don't understand it so exactly the same way it's it's different but but again it varies from person to person this is just my story all right that brings us to the end of the first part of the conversation with akila the chat with i am rural akila was supposed to be a quick 30 minute chat but the story and her narration was so interesting that we went on and on and chatting for about 2 hours and hence you guys will have more of akila coming in the next episode so stay tuned to know more about i am rural please check out our blog in our website www.theadacityproject.net see you in the next episode bye bye